Hey, friendly reminder, this podcast is not for kids or people who have a stick up their ass. Friday, 5.58 p.m. I'm sleeping with my best friend's husband. I think my uncle killed someone in I his think suicide. I am I a sugar baby. Mom addicted to Adderall. I think I my sister is my actually my uncle's kid. My What's your secret? Welcome back to Beyond the Secret and... I don't know who else you would expect to hear from right now, but if you're new to the show, I am Ace Fanning. And this week, you're probably going to hate me because you guys really don't like two-part episodes, but I really don't care because I think it's important that you hear this story in two different halves. And I'm going to tell you now that The first half isn't the juiciest or deepest story that you've ever heard on this podcast, by any means. But without the first half, I feel like you won't really understand the second half. And I need to say this. The woman that I interviewed this week loves to talk. She even said it herself in the interview. She's like... Ace, I love to talk. And then all of a sudden she goes, what did you even ask me? (laughs) Um, And there are probably a lot of parts that I could have cut out, but in the end, they make up an incredibly detailed account of who this woman was and who she is. And I think for this story, that's crucial. So we really have to set the scene for you to appreciate part two to its fullest extent. So this week's secret married Mormon mom. I am gay part one. Tell me about your childhood and your family growing up and what all of that looked like. So I'm from, well, what I thought was an average size family, but I guess a bigger family. There's five kids in our family, two parents. My mom stayed home until my youngest sister was in kindergarten. She would like make cookies and walk to school and pick us up. We, we, big family time. My dad worked two jobs, so my mom didn't have to work. Um, We went to church every Sunday. We tried to do lots of family activities and really like serve in our community, but also family like family is the biggest thing to my parents and to just it it was always about family it was always about family reunions the only vacations we ever went to were based on seeing cousins or visiting family (laughs) so everything was family or religion based for sure we definitely went to church every Sunday sometimes we'd even go on vacation and find a Sunday church we didn't ever do anything on Sunday we didn't swim on Sunday it was, it was a good childhood. I have a twin brother. We spent a lot of time hanging out. Is there a reason LDS people can't swim on Sunday? <laughs> well, you haven't heard that? <laughs> no, I have, I've heard a lot, but I never knew that you couldn't swim on Sunday. Well, okay, so I don't know. You know, like there's a lot of Mormon folklore. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't even know if we're supposed to say Mormon anymore, but whatever, I'm going to say that. Um, it, some people say that Satan controls the water. And so <laughs> if you swim on Sunday, it's like extra dangerous because he might kill you or something. I don't, I don't know really why just someone told me that you don't swim on Sunday and they listen. Oh man. I've never even heard that one before. It's a good one. I have a lot of good ones. <laughs> um, oh, that, and that is the thing. And I want to ask you about that really quick. I, I listened to an interview a lady did and she got all this backlash from people about, she referred to it as, Mormonism, and then she also said LDS, and people are like, "No, if you're gonna say it, you need to say um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints." Yeah, but like, what a mouthful, right? Well, and you can't say like LDS. I think it's because they don't want people. So Mormon was a, originally like an offensive thing. So people called when there was like the pioneer times and they're establishing the church, they called them the Mormons. Like it was offensive because of the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. But then that's how people knew of us, and so we kind of just adopted that nickname and so 
every once in a while the church I mean I feel like you probably notice it now they they've changed a lot of rules even recently but they like come out with things that you can't do or they don't like and so even in my childhood before they said they had a phase maybe when I was in high school that said don't say Mormon and then it kind of happened again and and they even made that mormon.org and then all of a sudden now they're like no more Mormon again so I don't know why a lot to keep up with oh yeah and then we went through a phase where we were supposed to call everyone like well Mormons call other people non-Mormons so there's Mormons and then there's non-Mormons those are the kind of people there are (laughs) um but they didn't want to do that because they thought that might offend people because duh (laughs) um (laughs) but (laughs) they changed it to wanting to call each other neighbors and I just thought that was like a little freaky like everyone was like your neighbor that is a weird one it's changed a bit for sure growing up did you feel like did you like being part of the Christian Church of Latter-day Saints or whatever it is. <laughs> the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes. Um, I did. I was like the most Mormon person ever, probably. I mean, I always like would tell people I didn't have to. So I always talk about testimonies and how people have to find their testimony and like have faith. And and I I just always knew. Like I, in my heart, I, I thought that I just always knew that it was right. Like I didn't need to like stumble and find things. I just knew that it was right and I had a lot of friends that were like didn't have faith and they were just like always questioning it and I was just I felt bad for them because I <laughs> because I was like I wish that you knew what I knew like and I just had this like blind faith but for me it wasn't blind faith I was lucky that I just was naturally faithful like in high school <laughs> we have something called seminary do you know have you heard of seminary that is seminary like when my version of it is when kids would leave high school and they would go to a right. class. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I went to high school, they didn't have before school or they didn't have in school seminary. They only had before school seminary. So I got to go to school like an hour early, but I also um, did a sport before school. So I had to get to school at like 4.30 and do my sport and then shower really quick and then go to before school religion class and then go to high school. And so that was a seminary. And people would always like ditch and like, you know, be fun. Like maybe go be like naughty and get hot chocolate Um, or like go hang out with friends or kiss their boyfriend in the car. And I like really wanted to go like to church. In fact, um, our seminary teacher challenged us when we were, I grew up in a place where there was Mormons, but not as much as like Utah. And so he challenged us to like carry our scriptures with us for a week so that people would randomly ask us what they were. And I did it for an entire school year, like to high school. I still can't really think about that. I like carried them in my hands. That's really cool though <laughs> that like you were, I think at such a young age being that invested in your religion is, I know like at the time, probably mm-hmm. like at the time it felt very dorky, but like now as an adult, I'm like, it, that is pretty cool that you were able to do that. Yeah. And I didn't feel dorky. I just felt like it was what was right. And I was supposed to do it. And I, I've never been like cool, but I, I wouldn't say I'm dorky. I was like the nice kid. I was friends with everybody. I was friends with like, you know, the people who wear all black and then the, the athletes and then the partiers and then the nerds. And I, you know, was always in like best buddies and stuff with special needs kids. And so I was just like the nice girl. So I feel like I got away with a lot because I never tried that cool. So I didn't have like the cool people like over judging me, but I never like, you know, I was nice to people who weren't probably going to make fun of me because I was just like, she's the nice girl. <laughs> so I got away with stuff. I could do stuff. And people were like, oh, that's that's just her. That's what she does. <laughs> you seem like you're just a very sweet person. I wish I could be more sweet. <laughs> so, yeah, that was me. And then, yeah, so with seminary, I, I really liked it. Like, they, they assigned, so you go every day for an hour, um, five days a week. Each year, you will learn about a different book. Um, the first year, it's like... One year it's Book of Mormon, the next year it's um, Old Testament, and then New Testament, and then Doctrine and Covenants. I don't know if you know what that is. That's like another book that we have that is from Joseph Smith's time. Okay. And like Pearl Great Price. And then so that's a year. And so I didn't go to high school for all four years. I graduated early, but I still graduated seminary because it was important to me. So I actually took college religion classes so that I could graduate from seminary because it was like 
that important to me. <laughs> um, and like everyone would lie because my teacher would bring you movie passes if you read your scriptures every day. And like, I didn't lie. I really did. <laughs> and I thought everyone else wasn't lying until someone told me. They just check the box and they'll give you movie passes. You don't actually have to do it. And I was like, <gasps> lying? <laughs> I didn't realize I that seminary was something like you graduated from. I thought it was just like a thing that kids went to during school like I, I guess I didn't well, know what it yeah, was yeah and I don't know if I'm like naive like I didn't know like I feel like you don't sign up for things and don't finish them like I didn't realize like a lot of people don't graduate from seminary like if you don't do xyz you don't graduate but like it's religion class and nobody wants to be there except apparently me and so um they'll they'll pass you 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 through pretty well if you show up but you know a lot of people would go I mean I, I really liked it. I feel like the cool thing about it too was it was all the grades so it was like freshman through senior so I felt like I gotta know more people rather than just like my freshman class or the people who did my sport walk me through where and how you met your ex-husband I went away to school so I like I said I, I graduated from high school yearly with an associate's degree so I went away to college but I was really young I was like 16 and I ended up getting my bachelor's at 18, but I was away at school. And then I moved home when I was like, I thought I was like so old and mature, but really I was like the age everyone was graduating from high school. And I didn't really know people because people that were my age were just then going to college. And so then I reached out to these people through Institute, which is kind of like seminary for college. It's mm -hmm. called Institute of Religion. And I just try to meet people like I pretty happy-go-lucky. And so I reached out to people that were older than me that I didn't really know, but maybe they were friends with like my older brother, who's five years older than me. And that's how I met my ex, going from, from Institute and just kind of like having a familiar face. He was in my ward growing up. Do you know about what a ward is? The wards are like where, like you guys have to go to specific churches. Like you can't just stop in at a any church yeah right? okay I mean it says visitors welcome but that's not really the case so um <laughs> well I mean in theory yes but we're all stare at you and give you words <laughs> okay so a ward is like a school and then a stake is like a school district so you're assigned um to your stake by where you live and then it's split even smaller into your ward and it essentially it's so that you have this smaller area so you can like administer to each other's needs. When it's a smaller group and you're all going at the same time, you kind of like have eyes and ears on each other. And it's, in some ways it's really great. Like Susie's having a baby and so everyone rallies around her and they bring her meals for a week or so-and-so had surgery and we're going to mow their lawn and bring them meals and just things like that. And so he was in my ward growing up. I didn't really know of him because he's five and a half years older than me, but I knew of him and I knew that he had went on a mission, which checked the allowed box for me to date him. Oh, was that, that was very important to you or important to somebody else? Important to everybody. Okay. <laughs> it's like, well, there's like these lists. So part of like when you grow up and you go to church is you have all these lessons. We're like groomed. I feel like Mormons are really good people and they're really good at being like moms and families in general, because like, I learned way more about that than probably another girl my age because I, every week we learned about how to be a wife and a mother. And then every Wednesday or Tuesday when we went to like the midweek mutual activity, which they now change the name to something else. I don't know. We'd learn things like we'd have etiquette classes. We'd learn how to cook. I learned how to change the oil in a car. We just did different like life skills activities that make you kind of prepare to do your greatest role, which essentially is to get married. And so like they have you do, like they have you write letters to your future spouse and say, this is what I'm doing to prepare to marry you. And I hope you're doing that. And so it was on my, like, I don't know, the list given to me from my created head of what should happen. He was not an Eagle Scout though. So that was kind of like naughty, but <laughs> I let that fly. <laughs> oh man. I did not know any of this. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. I mean, definitely we're told that our greatest role is to be a mother. And I agree with that in, in general, that like nothing replaces like what you do for your kids and for your family. But I mean, that was my role. Like I was one of the only people I knew that wanted to go to school to do something mm -hmm. besides 
just have kids. I had complete faith that I could do both successfully, but um, I got a lot of backlash from that. And I'll get into that later, but. Well, and I think the, the life skills classes, that sounds amazing. Like, I feel like I should have mm-hmm. been doing those because I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> well, um, and it's fun because you, you're doing them with like your friends and your peers. And so you don't really realize you're learning stuff mm-hmm. necessarily. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I was just so uncool that I didn't know that it wasn't cool, but I loved it. <laughs> no, I think, I think it sounds cool. I think at the time, if I was young, I would have been irritated by it and thought this is stupid. But now as an adult, I see the importance in that. Right. But I think the yeah. hard thing is, is there's a lot of people in this world who just don't want kids ever. And I think it would be a really hard situation to be in where you know, you love your church, you have your faith and all this stuff, but then your church says, hey, your biggest goal in life needs to be to get married and have kids. And I agree because, like I said, I I had been given this, like, list in my head of, like, what my life looked like and what a valuable life looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I only knew that my life could fall into this box, and that was the only way that I could ever – be happy and so a lot of outside ideas like I didn't even know were like an option or an actual thing that real people did except the people that like had like secret horns you just couldn't see by looking at them um (laughs) but I really thought like like I don't know I didn't make a lot of choices I I I had made my decision so young of like I was never gonna drink and I was never gonna xyz that like in high school I never had to choose that I already just knew the answer Mm -hmm. and so I feel like in a way that's positive, but I also never really knew who I, I was. I knew who I was more than I feel like other teenagers as far as like that I like love serving people and I love helping those who have less than me. But I guess I didn't realize how big the world is and that everyone's experience maybe doesn't look exactly like mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the only negative from that is I feel like I judged, I, I still have a lot of shame and guilt about the judgment that I passed on other people for being less than for not making the same choices as me because I thought they were weak. So and you, I didn't real, realize that like not everyone's life is like a mom and a dad and a dad who would do anything would work four jobs so that your mom can support the kids and that they had such a good marriage. And I just thought that like they must have done something wrong in order to have a divorce or to have someone die or I I didn't say that out loud but in the back of my head I was always like oh something weird is happening there it's 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 really hard on me like it makes me sick myself because I'm such a like I mean I work with special needs kids now and adults and so (laughs) it makes me like cringe like I'm really trying not to cry because i didn't know I was passing judgment on people, but I feel like I did. My best friend growing up was um, from the Catholic church. And my parents were really like cool Mormons in the sense that they let me go to church with her. As long as I went to my church, I could go with her to support her. And she had friends that drank and stuff because it's not really a big deal. And one time she was, I, I, had, I went and picked them up from a party and I was always a really cool designated driver. Right. <laughs> um, so I, and I didn't care. Like I didn't judge them in the fact that, like, I didn't mind. I wanted to be there, and I kind of, like, liked my role as a designated driver. But in my head, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm better than them. And so she – I picked her up, and we were kind of having a conflict, which we never fight. And she was like, do you – wait, do you think you're better than my my friends? And I was like, oh, no, I don't think I'm better than your friends. I, I know that I am. <laughs> and, like, it makes me sick. Like, I'm like – and literally all they did was maybe drink at a party in high school, like, 90% of the entire world. And I was just like <laughs> scoffing at how weak they, I don't know. It, it makes me want to throw up. But here's the thing. And I, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to spend too long on this, but I do want you to know yeah. that like we all have moments like that. And the, the, the more life that we experience and the more people that we get to surround ourselves with, the more we realize that everyone has shit, everyone has things and like it makes us better. So don't beat yourself up about that. You oh, were yeah. in a very, sheltered environment right and I, and I, I think that now like you know when we talk about it later but as people have maybe passed judgments on me and not understood I, I if anything I almost feel bad like 
in a way they're lucky because they might have not had anything real traumatic happened in their life or understand or been given an opportunity to have empathy. I don't necessarily think that they're bad. I just think that they don't know. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then I fear for the time when they have to find out something like that and how they will handle it. I, I love that I've been on both sides because I feel like I'm very grateful for the things that I have learned. And I feel like it makes me a better sounding board or a better supporter to like other people who are going through um, traumas. I think that I just, I'm going to end with this part, but I think you seem like a very, very nice person. I think you seem like a very loving person and I don't, (laughs) don't beat yourself up. I know. Um, Okay. Going back to your ex-husband, so you guys yes. meet, do you initially like him or what are your feelings? Uh, um, you know, or did I he just like, check the boxes? No, no, that's mean. Um, I was always someone who really liked people who liked me. Okay. So I, I have the same with all my, my girlfriends. I tell them never date a guy who thinks he's cuter than he thinks you are, or never date a girl who thinks she's cuter than she thinks you are. Like I really, liked being confident in the fact that like being really liked I didn't want the challenge I wanted to be spoiled and to be chased and I wanted to almost be no effort to them just be like I am lucky (laughs) and he was really sweet and nice and like it there was no games and he really liked me from day one he always treated me well and bring flowers and was just nice I mean he had a little bit of like anger issues but for the most part, like I never had to wonder where I stood with him. I always knew. And how long did you guys date before you got married? <laughs> I think I helped a couple of friends throw him a surprise birthday party because he had come home from his mission. Um, and a lot of his other friends weren't home yet because he had come home a little bit early um, for, for medical reasons, nothing shady but that still he kind of did get some backlash from church some church families kind of side-eyed him um and so he was kind of having the trouble fitting in and so I helped a couple friends from church throw him like a little surprise birthday party and that was in March and then we were engaged um engaged in April and married in June oh man (laughs) Mormon LDS whatever you call their relationships do typically go pretty because yeah, because you don't have sex before you get married. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of that, as much as we don't want to say it's related to it, I feel like it, it is related to the speed. They don't want you to make a mistake and not be temple worthy. So if you know you like the person, you know you want to be with them, then why not just get married right now? So there's a lot of pressure. Like if you have a year engagement, people will judge you poorly for that. that like anything more than three to six months is kind of like, oh, are they repenting for something? Do they can they not go to the temple? Is that why it's so far out? Seriously? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh for sure. Man. And I was 18 at the time. So yes, I had a bachelor's degree and I thought I was such a big girl and I had a car that I was paying for, but like I was a ripe old age at 18 when I got married. And on your wedding day, did you have any second guesses or were you like, no, this yeah, is it, so, he's the one? So actually We'd been dating for two weeks, but like in Mormon time, it felt like six months and I broke up with him Oh. and he was really sad and I felt really bad that he was sad and everyone was telling me how sad he was. And so then I just wanted to date him again so he would be happy. And so I started dating him and then he told me that he wouldn't date me unless he knew that it was going somewhere. So he pretty much wouldn't date me unless I wanted to marry him, but like not in that aggressive of a way, but like essentially like. I don't want to just date to date. Like, is that the ultimate goal? So I said, yes, because I didn't want him to be sad. And then we dated and it was good. And it's fun to plan a wedding and all that, you know, get lots of attention. And then I was happy. Like we had fun. He was like a best friend. Um, I loved him, but I don't know, if, you know, now that I'm in a different relationship, knowing what it's like to be in love with someone, it, it's just a different feeling, but I was so young. I didn't know. Otherwise I definitely had love and familial love and all that. So then, and then like two or three days before we got married, I kind of had a little bit of a panic. How so? So when you're Mormon, you're supposed to like pray if you're supposed to marry someone, if it's right. And then like 
God will tell you yes, I guess, maybe. And, like, I never got the yes, but I never got, like, a no. So I was just like, cool, this is up to me. <laughs> so I don't really know. And so I don't know if I was nervous because I never got, like, I don't know if I thought, like, an angel was going to come down and be like, this is the best choice ever. Or if it was because I was not ready or it wasn't right. But I had some apprehensions, but for the most part, I don't know. I didn't know any differently. I don't, I didn't know what it was like supposed to be like when you got married. I figured like you're supposed to be nervous. You watch movies. Everyone's like nervous. right? <laughs> well, I think the hard thing too, is if you've, if you haven't had a whole lot of other experiences, not necessarily relationships, because I don't feel like you have to date a lot of people, but like at 18, you still haven't really experienced like friendship breakups. And Well, and I was actually a long time, like when I commit to someone, I'm committed. So like every, I had to, I mean, only was the ripe age of 18. I wasn't supposed to date till I was 16. I had a boyfriend from like 15 to 17 and then 17 to 18 like a different boyfriend 17 to 18 like I had always been like a serious relationship person so I've had the heartbreak of breakups for sure like the person that I was 15 to 17 that I was gonna like gonna marry and that was very traumatizing but yeah I mean still like I thought I was so mature and ready but like in hindsight I look at my 15 year old and I'm like <laughs> I just giggle you know it's fine but I think you can really love someone in high school for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, I I met my wife when she was 14 years yeah, old. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I don't want to discount that. So I feel like I always tell people I'm situationally older because I graduated early. I got married young. I had my master's degree young. I was in my profession young. I had loved and lost young. And so I feel like I felt like I was a lot older than I was, but I don't know if I was mature enough to to get married but you know everyone was you know it wasn't that weird to get married at 18. Did you ever have a moment where you thought to yourself that it was kind of odd or different or whatever that you were marrying someone who you had dated for a significantly less time than you had dated the two other guys before? I think because I had known of him and he had been in my ward and people knew knew him it didn't make me as nervous because I knew him and I knew his family. And there has been talks in the past that the church has said, like any two worthy individuals who work hard and want the same goals can have a happy marriage. And so <laughs> you guys get married and you have kids, correct? Yeah. So I, he had had a surgery and had taken something and I was on birth control, but anyways, moral of the story, I had a baby 11 months up, or 10 months after we got married, oh, just enough time that people counted on their fingers to look like if I had, <laughs> and I was like, come on now. And then he came two weeks early and everyone would be like, okay, doing the math. And I'm like, it's 10 months. So I had a baby at 19. And what kind of pressure <laughs> did that put on your marriage? Nothing. Not, Nothing? not really. I was raised to do that though. Yeah. It, it was just the next step felt natural. He was my, my son was my best friend. We just hung out. I, a lot of my, uh, my, my best friend wasn't LDS. And so I feel like my son was like raised with us. Like he got to like hang out with my friends. He's, he speaks very eloquently. He, it, it, I don't know. He was, he had a bit, we had a very good time. It, it was, I don't know. It was nothing. Babies aren't a thing. It's not like a hard, I think having a puppy is harder. <laughs> <laughs> don't people are gonna be so mad oh for people me, are gonna be just comes, <laughs> so i know i don't know if it's because i'm older when i got a puppy and i'm just like this is exhausting but the baby thing came naturally and i had you know he was a really easy i should i should make a caveat that he was a very easy baby and my children that came later were you know more colicky and that was harder but i was older and had done it before but he was you know birth was easy. Labor was easy. Nursing was easy. I didn't mind getting up. Like I would be so excited when my baby would cry in the middle of the night because then I could like see him because he was so cute. And I didn't care that he woke me up because, oh my gosh. And then I put him back to bed. I don't know. Maybe it was like I was playing dress up or, but I loved it. No. And the thing is, and I hope that anyone listening to this will realize is like, that's your truth and that's okay. Like for mm -hmm. you, motherhood was easy. For other people, motherhood is very hard. And there's just such an array of different places right. where people fall into that. And that's okay. 
And I'm a nurturer by nature, like, you know, and that doesn't mean, and I definitely have other struggles, you know, so I love it. And I come from a big family and babies. I still, I'll still people's milk. I'm that weirdo that will be like, someone's baby's crying on a plane. I'll be like, I'll hold it for you. (laughs) I have literally thought about offering that to somebody before. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I think they'd think I was creepy. So I never do it. (laughs) Well, and you have like family like so you're good with the kids I would say if you're on a plane you're not going to run away so I feel like it's a safe place to offer to help that's true and right? I've flown as a mother and it is overwhelming like even though I feel like I had it down that is like the only, like I would cry I don't know every time I would travel with a baby alone I would cry it's just so much and keeping them safe in your bags and blah 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 so when someone would like offer to hold them while I like, adjusted myself in my seat like those people I still remember today that's men sad. or women and I, I, I've never offered to hold the baby, but I do always offer to carry their luggage off. I'm like, oh, hey, good. can I get that for you? So at least I'm like, I'm doing something. Okay, so okay. in your marriage, everything's going well. Are there any issues that you have? Well, I went to grad school, and my husband at the time, he worked for a big company. And for our age, I felt like he did pretty well. Um, and he was, you know, made... $30,000, which I thought was like a million dollars back then. So we were comfortable. Um, there's just always been a little bit different work ethic between the two of us. You know, like I would make sure that I never inconvenienced anyone with the baby or like I really like to exercise. So I would like get up at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. so I could exercise before the baby would wake up so that my ex wouldn't have to get up with the baby before then I would then I would like nurse and put the baby down. Then I would shower and get ready for grad school. So, I mean, I did that. I don't think he specifically ever asked me to do those things. I don't know if I felt that vibe from him um, or if I just did it, but then maybe I was kind of like annoyed that he never offered, mm-hmm. but there was some of like that, you know, and I'd always say like, well, you can't feed the baby at nighttime anyways. And so I'm just going to do it. And I do really fine on four to six hours of sleep. And he needed, you know, eight to 12 hours of sleep or like he would be real grumpy. And so it wasn't worth getting help if it was going to like pay for it all day, you know, not like horrible, just kind of like short with you. And I'm just like, eh, I'll do it. Yeah. I don't mind. So just little things like that, but I didn't, I wasn't unhappy. I was just very like going with like, this is life is the best way to describe it. And like we'd fight, but he would apologize. I mean, he had some anger, but, Definitely by the end of our marriage, that had gotten better. I mean, I joke that one of our houses was foreclosure chic because there was, like, a kicked hole in the wall or something here and that from, like, a little bit of a freak out. But I never felt, like, endangered. Can I can I ask you something and kind of assume yeah. something about yeah. you? Yeah. Are you somebody who is just very – optimistic and always looking for the good because you said I'm not I wasn't unhappy and you're just like Mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like you and I are very opposites like (laughs) (laughs) I know you posted something about uh how you always I don't know something about how you want to see that stop seeing all the negatives and see all positives sometimes I feel like I'm blind in the other way like I'm always like okay we can fix this this is good we got something to work with (laughs) I need to hang out with you more. Um, And so like, but this is where I'm curious is now, and we're going to go into Uh now later, but like now that you experience, and you you kind of mentioned this with the love, like you're like, now that I'm in a relationship where I'm really, really in love, I see how that relationship was different. Totally. Do Do you also feel that same way about happiness? Like now you're at a point where you're like, oh my God, I've never been happier. I've always been happy. I'm happy. I'm so happy right now. And I feel very fulfilled as a human. And I feel like I have more to offer the world, but I, I don't know. I've always been happy. That's just, good. I'm a happy person. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was just very like status quo, mm-hmm. you know, like that's the thing that I think I have the most guilt with is that he didn't necessarily do anything wrong. Like comparative to like a lot of my friends' marriages that are still in their marriages, like I mourn for them because they're so much worse than what I had. And I'm so much happier now because what I had was fine. It was just fine, but it wasn't 
truly who I was and it wasn't the joy and happiness and like love and fulfillment that I have now because I feel like we had so many friends that were very envious of the way that we treated each other and interacted with each other so I feel like for a lot of people it was very groundbreaking because we were like the example but I think you only have one life you don't want to live it fine like no and I agree and that's and for his sake, I don't want him to live fine. I, he very much loved me. I and mean, that sounds really bad, but I, I definitely believe that I broke his heart, but I want him to be as happy as I am now because there's no way you can, even if you think you are, you can't have that with someone that doesn't have the same exact feelings towards you. And so that I would love for him to feel what I feel now. And that's like what I find solace in is that even though I was fine and I was good, I'm in such an amazing place right now. I, and I hope that everyone has gets to that point in their life. Okay. So you go on and how many kids do you end up having? Three. Okay. And at what point do you feel like the cracks, or I don't even know if I want to call them cracks, but <laughs> your change of heart uh- kind of started to come. So I had a job that the owner like lost the business in a very traumatic way. Like he still owes me $12,000. He owes, um, and I've always been, I guess I should clarify. I'm the breadwinner and I've always been the majority breadwinner in my family. So we lost everything. I mean, and these are families, like all these people I worked with, they were my other family. They all had kids and we were providing to all these other kids and doing, and, and I had to keep my family alive financially. And I had this extreme obligation to make sure all of these people, these other people that were in my family were okay. And so I went to businesses and I interviewed for all of us. It was like, I'm sorry if you like me, but it's either me or, and my 15 staff or, or, and they weren't my staff. I just worked there. Or, or nothing. And so I just became, this sounds so strong, so weird. I can't, like, I feel like I became the man in my relationship. And, and I already kind of was that, but I just feel like I was so take charge. Like, I did everything. Like, I, and I found all of this a job and we all had this new place. And we all got to work together and all the people that we were treating got to be there too. And all these families. And then I was still making sure because I was 12,000 at my house that like we could pay the bills. And that's one thing he'd always offer is he had, I said, I don't really care what you do. Just work enough so we can have health insurance because I'm a contractor. Um, and he, and he did the bill. So I didn't have to worry about it. Cause I just, I don't know. So he did it and I, I took over the finances and I'd realized the holes that like this, I, that sounds bad, but like this was your responsibility and, and the holes that were there, like, you know, a Dell laptop that we were paying for four years later that we still owed $800 on, but I'm sure we bought for $800. So these little things like that. And when we had no money and I had to like sit there and like make the budget to the penny, I was very hurt because I worked very hard as a mom with young babies to make this money. And then seeing where it had and hadn't gone was like, I felt like almost cheated, like very, like very offended that he did that to me. Mm-hmm. It, it, it bothered me. And, and then I think he had some, de- some depression. He always has like some people would call him my invisible husband because he has anxiety. And I feel that like, I'm good with that, but he wouldn't really go to events and I'd be so excited and I would be all like ready for events and, and so excited to sh- show my husband and talk about my family. And then like, he'd either come for five minutes and then be really mean to me. And so I would leave or he would like sit in the car and refuse to come in. Not on purpose. Like, I feel like he wasn't making the conscious decision, but it would like, it was always the most important thing. Like my best friend's wedding or like a big work event or something like that. And it was always like, I had to like babysit him and I could just never enjoy like when it was actually the relaxing time. That's tough. And that's just, that's showing how different the two of you were. Right. And I felt like I felt for him because it was honestly, he would be so mean. Like every big fight I would say we ever had was related to, in hindsight now, like an anxiety situation. But like he would walk home from family dinners. Like I would like be at a family dinner with my family and I'd look over to tell him a joke and like he wouldn't be there. 
and like I was before like cell phone tracking and he would just like not be there and then I realized he like walked all the way home that was hard because I felt like I was always like covering for him because I felt like he looked a lot worse than he was to people like I felt shame because I felt like he looked like we were in abusive relationship and I didn't feel like we were and so I just felt like it was just like can you just act like how nice you are at home I don't know and then I just really start I really I was talking to one of my friends she's doing my hair and I realized like my life wouldn't change if he died shit like I felt really I mean I loved him and my kids loved him and that would be sad but like as far as responsibility or the way our house was managed, nothing would change. And I just felt frustrated and sad because that wasn't a partnership. And I, I don't even care if the partnership is 75, 25. I just need to feel like there was a partnership and it was, yeah, that was like a really hard moment for me. I went through phases where like, I wanted him to like throw me down the stairs or like punch me in the face or do something so I could like, have a reason to make a change but he would just be keeping so nice and good to me i want to ask you because i think that that statement is like that's a that's a real shocking statement to hear but i'm curious if that goes back to your religious upbringing and knowing that like you not that you I don't want to say you can't but it's going to be very frowned upon well, by everybody and I agree and I think that is related to I mean because you're married for eternity and that's the only way you're going to get to heaven and I have these babies and we say we hit something that like the sins of the children are on the parents there's a lot to it and I just felt like in in my religion and in my world like pretty much outward physically abuse is the only time that it might be okay. Like I already know that a lot of people are going to have an issue with that statement and that's okay. I think the whole reason that I love the fact that this podcast is anonymous is the fact that she can say exactly what it is that she was feeling at that time and she doesn't have to worry about what it is that you might think about her or about that situation and yeah like I was shocked when she said that but also I realized you know the pressure that was on her to stay and I just hope that anyone who's listening to this takes that into account and realizes that for someone to get to a point where they hope to be physically abused, that is a point where they definitely feel trapped. Nobody hopes for that. And so... I hope this isn't the part of the story that you get stuck on, but I wanted to, I left it in here for very good reason, because I think that it's important to just fully understand where her head is at during this time. I started this little like mommy running group in my neighborhood and I offered three days a week in the morning and three days a week in the evenings. And I wanted like stay at home moms, working moms, everybody. I just want like this community of people to like, I don't care if you've never run, like come walk, like this sisterhood. And, and we ran and it was like this, <laughs> I would say it was like the Island of misfit toys. Like you had like the 21 year old cute as a button mom who works at Savora, who looks like she's a model to like a 55 year old, who's an empty nester who can barely walk. And like, we had this group and this sisterhood. And I had this priesthood member, this bishop pull me in. And he said, in life, there's good things and there's better things and there's best things. And what you're doing by taking these women from their families is just, is just a good thing. And there's so many better things these women could be doing than spending time running with you. And I just felt heartbroken for all these women that were so lonely. 
And that that's how we were viewed. That if moms took time to themselves, they were being selfish. And that's not every Mormon bishop, but it really affected us. And we did this Ragnar race. And he pulled me aside a different time. And I'm strong and I can take stuff because I will say stuff back, but not a lot of women can. And he, he said, if you can promise me that these women will be here on Sunday after running for two days straight, you're allowed to do it. And I don't know why I thought allowed, but I made it. And I said, you girls have to promise that we come to church on Sunday. And we all came. And then that Sunday, the sermon that he gave was about good, better, and best things that we can be doing in our life. And we had like three or four women get up from their chairs and walk out because they were so hurt. And of course I am like the ringleader of like this evil activity of like, I don't even know. And so then they pull me in and I have to talk to them about supporting these women that they could be doing genealogy or going to the temple more or being there more for their families. And that essentially that I was teaching them to be selfish because they were getting joy from this. And that's what I really want people to hear. That is so frustrating. And I'm so sad that that happened to you because I know that the Mormon LDS, whatever you want to call it, church is, there's also this, there's a really big um, push on making sure that when you go out into the world, you look your absolute best because you are a representation of the church. So these women are out running and getting active and doing stuff that they've never done before and Mm -hmm. you did all that and that was I think it's such a positive thing and there's there's Mm -hmm. so many good things about you know with depression and exercise and that's yeah that was what was that was what was so frustrating is I like I on my own time I thought and I was working mom I got up at 5 a.m and then I did the other one at 8 30 so I thought that it would not affect families like I went out of my way to make sure that these women could be allowed to be women because women are just as important as mothers. And you can't be a good mother if you're not a good woman and you don't feel good about who you are and and what you are because you have nothing left to give. Mm -hmm. And so I had thought that I had specifically done that. And that's why I was like so heartbroken is that I had gone out of my way and it wasn't like I was being paid or doing anything weird. Like I just, I've always believed in the power of strong women. And, like, that we can change the world because in some ways I feel like we're just as strong as men, but we also have, like, this crazy, like, desire to nurture. And those two things can do so much. I just wanted these people to feel that same, like, I can do anything. I I can do more than change a diaper. So I I was just very hurt. And then I had gone back to this bishop at a different time to talk to him about something else, and he had told me that. It's my fault that my husband had never rise up in his company or made a lot of money because I demasculated him by making too much money. And if I had not worked hard and not gotten an education, then he would be a better man. Oh, God. Uh huh. That was an actual conversation and that it was my fault. And I said, if I didn't do these things, then my kids wouldn't have food. And he said, I don't agree with you. And then I would have women in the ward that would say things like, why did you have kids for someone else to raise them? And like, let's be honest. I'm not, I'm not like this crazy person who like works 6 a.m. to like 10 p.m. and like doesn't ever see their kids. Like I feel like I can do a lot in a small amount of town. So like I would get up and I would take my kids to school and do all that. And then I would work like eight to four and I always had Fridays off or Sometimes I only work three days a week so that I had like lots of times with my kids. I would come home on my lunch break to either nurse or hold my baby. I did all these things. But the other job that I do is very much serving other people too. And if it was hard because some of the people had made those comments to me, I was actually treating their siblings and doing services for their siblings. And they would be like, I just don't know why you even had kids for other people to raise. So it was, oh it was hard. And I very much have always felt called to do what I do for a profession. Like it is what I'm supposed to do. And so there were so many contradictions. Like I had this like undying faith in the church, but then these people were like hurting me and then saying these things that I didn't feel were real because if I stepped down and I just focused on my three kids and I would affect those three kids and they would be wonderful. But there are so many other kids that would be affected. And also 
I want my kids to know that life isn't just about them. There's so many more people out there that we have to help. And so it was hard because could I really be the mother to my kids that I wanted to be if I, if I didn't. And I, and I think everything for stay-at-home mother, I wish that everyone had that opportunity. I think it's amazing. And I think the world would be better if there could be more stay-at-home parents. It was just very hard to have my personal, you know, and people sometimes would ask me if I struggled with infertility and that's why I only had three kids or why I had big gaps between my children and assume all these things rather than, you know, that it was, you know, a choice or heaven forbid planned around work and education. Did all of this make you waver in your beliefs at all? Um, no, because I always thought that like all men are weak and even the best of the best, the prophet there, it's a man. Well, and of course I always thought man because it's church run by men, but they make mistakes and it's not perfect. And if I do my best and I have like my own personal revelation and I have a good relationship with God, then then that's just part of their growing process. And, and sometimes I just have to be blind faithful because that's what we do to grow. I don't always have to agree with it. I always had like a rationalization for it because people aren't perfect. And I mean, I'm one of the people I, I, I've read the whole Bible and I don't know how many other people can say <laughs> that. And there's a lot of like weird stuff in the Bible and there's a lot of prophets who are doing very not nice things and having concubines and extra girlfriends and all these things. And, and they were still trying their best. So if these people made it and they're good and they're prophets and they're considered great, then like if I do my best, even if I fall short of these little things and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, so tell me about your, the friend that you met. Okay. Spoiler alert, in case the title didn't spell it out enough for you, that friend is a woman, and they fall in love, and next week you get to hear that story, but you also get to hear this. Is she there with you currently? Yes. So, I have some questions for both of you. I know you guys don't, but I love a good cliffhanger. Don't forget, this month's Patreon episode comes out this Friday, and it's a story that I have been very, very patiently waiting to hear, and thanks to Patreon, I finally got to. Thank you guys for listening. I will see all of you next week. Everybody has a secret.